Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hey, and thanks for checking out the podcast. Coming up, Sheldon Mindell. He is the executive director at the Riverview Health Center. We're also going to talk to Sandy Schindelman from Shindico. We'll get an update on retail in the Polo Park area. And Tim Freimeyer. He plans on walking 100 kilometers on Saturday. Find out why here on the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please rate the podcast. And now, the podcast. Let's now switch gears and talk with Sheldon Mendel. He is the executive director over at the Riverview Health Center. And he joins us now on the phone. Good afternoon, uh, Sheldon. Nice to uh, chat with you. Thanks for doing this. Good afternoon. Sheldon, I'm so glad to have you on. I've become friends with a listener, Bob, and every time I see Bob, he says, Hal, have you had Sheldon on yet? Have you talked about Riverview yet? Because he is so happy with what you did for him and his late wife, Charlotte, and so I'm glad you're here to talk about this wonderful facility. Tell me a bit about Riverview. Uh, People may not know about it. Tell us what it does. Well, uh, we do so many things, and that's why one of, one of my challenges uh, when talking about Riverview is making sure that the area that you know about, I also can expand and tell you about the other areas that you don't know about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Riverview is a long-term care facility, and the definition of long-term care depends on which unit you're in. We're most well-known for our palliative care unit, Okay. We have Manitoba's largest palliative care unit. We have 30 beds in palliative care. We have 387 beds in the whole facility. Uh, Only 30 of them are palliative care. Mm. But we do very, very good work in palliative care. We do very good work in all areas, but we're well known for the palliative care area. And for just, you know, for edification, um, not only do we do great work for the people who are in the last stages of their life, we do very good work with the families, you know, who are, are going through the uh, the major trauma of losing somebody that's very important to them. Right. So our staff is extremely good at that. They're very competent that way. Uh, in fact, a number of years ago, I'm going to say maybe five or six years ago, um, the foundation, which is uh, the area that I represent, uh, believed that there was goodwill towards our palliative care unit and we felt that it needed uh, an upgrade and uh, there was no government money set aside to uh, to upgrade our palliative care unit Mm -hmm. but um, you know the the comments that I got from so many people made it made the foundation feel and therefore the health center feel that we could redo the whole palliative care unit and we did Uh, spent about a million and a half little more than a million and a half dollars 100% 100% of that was what I call a triple D project, donor-driven development. Uh, and we redid the, uh, the palliative care unit. We did it, uh, we did it in, as much of a, in a hotel room, you know, or a luxury hotel room as we possibly could. Mm-hmm. Um, and we knew that people who were in palliative care when their families came, they came for long periods of time, so we made sure that there was places for the family to lie down and relax while they were staying with one of their uh, one of their relatives. Uh, every room had its own private fridge because everybody has their own private little foods that they want to share. They all had Wi-Fi so that you could do FaceTime and Skype uh, with family wherever they might be. Uh, all the washrooms were upgraded. 
they all had DVD players because everybody wants to look at an old family video. Mm-hmm. So they were really, really uh, hotelish in the look, and we got very, very positive response saying it. Mm-hmm. It was it was like not being in a hospital. Yeah. You know, not only were it was the care great, so were the surroundings. Mm-hmm. You um, talked about. Let me ask you something. Yeah. You talked about how all of those dollars were donated dollars. There isn't always government money. That must be your biggest challenge, eh? Getting that money so you can do stuff like upgrading palliative care there. Well, uh, yeah, getting money is always a big challenge because, you know, there's there's a ton of good projects and there's a, and there's a ton of worthwhile charities. Mm-hmm. It's a matter of matching some uh, a donor's uh, willingness to get involved, uh, a donor's interest with a project that the health center needs. Uh, right now, we're in the final stages of uh, our ACE project. ACE stands for Alzheimer's Center of Excellence. Because when we finished, when we finished the palliative care project, and the health center and the foundation were talking about, okay, where is our next need? Um, you know, the foundation felt that there was good support for Alzheimer's dementia. Mm. But the health center said, before we, we go about, you know, looking at that unit, let's do a, a worldwide study. And we, uh, you know, we contracted with a uh, architectural firm that had uh, international offices. And we said, okay, what's out there in, this was probably 2015, what's out there in terms of how best to take care of people in the advanced stages of dementia. And so we took a year or so and uh, we got the research and basically what it said is what we had at Riverview was all right for when we built it in 1997, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't considered state-of-the-art today. Mm. And uh, we went ahead and we put together a project and as you were sort of indicating, there isn't an unlimited amount of government money. And uh, with this project, we felt that there was support in the, uh, in the overall community. And what we initially thought would be a $5 million project then turned to be a $10 million project. Mm. And then I said, whoa, let's, let's keep it within where we think we can actually be successful, which was $8.5 million. And as of today... I've got uh, $7.2 million, and we're probably 75 to 80 percent completed with the the construction. Because it wasn't just a renovation. We built a new building, an activity pavilion uh, that's known as the Paul Albertson Activity Pavilion. Mm -hmm. Uh, I approached uh, Mr. Albertson with uh, with our plans, and he was immediately... Uh, enamored with the idea and said he's going to support the project. Uh, and, and he and was so, our first uh, major so, donor. And so let me ask you then, what will be in ACE? You talked about some of the yeah. stuff that's in uh, the palliative yeah. area now. What's in ACE to help patients with dementia? What's okay. different about what you're doing now compared to years well, ago we, when you okay. first started? Uh, right now we have four units and uh, – one unit is totally empty of, of residents. Two mm-hmm. units have been totally redone. So we're, I would say that we're one and a half units away from being totally completed. The first difference is, is that we used to have what would be known as a custodial model of care. So basically the footprint of about 1,500 square feet, that was the, ex- that was the extent of a resident's existence. 
They lived within a 1,500-square-foot pr- uh, footprint where they had locked doors very close to them. And they were in a setting with, 15, with 14 other, other residents. Mm. So the first thing that we've done is that uh, bigger is not always better, smaller is better. And we've restructured. So rather than being one of 15 you're now in a family setting of no more than five residents. Mm. So we've, re, we've, we've reconfigured the initial footprint so that basically you're, you're, you're existing with like a brother, a sister, a mother, a father, like a five-person family. Yeah. So that would be the first major difference. Mm-hmm. The second major difference, if you go into any hospital, and they have the room numbers on the door because all the doors look exactly the same and you want to make sure you get into the right room. When you have people with dementia and you don't uh, allow for distinguishing features between one room and the next, you get a lot of conflict as people wander in and out inadvertently. Sure. Uh, and, you know, uh, space, becomes, space becomes an issue and uh, encroaching on my space becomes an issue. Mm-hmm. So the next thing we did, which is really quite simple, is we hired a photographer and they went around and they took somewhere in a neighborhood of... 400 photographs of front doors in Winnipeg. And when a resident comes into our new unit, we meet with the family, we identify a door that is most likely going to generate positive memories with that individual. Isn't that interesting? Wow. And their door has got a special look to it. So Hmm. every one of the doors in these these, uh, five-room units, every one of the doors is substantially different in look. Huh. Yeah. We, we could go on and on, and I'm glad we've touched on a couple areas at Riverview. The one thing I do want to get out there is if people want to support Riverview, how can they do that? I'm sure you have fundraising events like every other organization like yours, but is there a, a website or a way that people can contribute? Maybe any events coming up that people should know about? Uh, well, okay. Uh, we have our gala dinner. Our gala dinner is uh, generally every October, so mm-hmm. on October the 25th, we have a gala dinner, and it's open to the public. And actually, you know what? It's a fun time. Even though it's a, it's a fundraiser for Riverview Health Center, I mean, our, our, our title says it all. It says laughter is the best medicine. And we, we end the evening with a, with a comic and uh, do about a half-hour routine. Mm-hmm. And so we send everybody home laughing. We send them home after having a gourmet meal. Uh, there's great auction prizes, both silent and live. And, uh, you know, you, and there's a tax receipt for uh, your contribution. Yeah. Uh, we have individual tickets and we have uh, sponsorships. And the sponsorships go you know, from uh, $2,500 for a table of eight uh, up to uh, $10,000. Mm-hmm. Um, we, uh, and we have individual tickets at $225 a ticket. And I, that $225 would give you a $125 tax receipt. Excellent. So that's our, 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 yeah. our up-to-date, uh, our mm-hmm. closest uh, coming uh, event uh, on our website, which is RHC, Riverview Health Center, .mb.ca. You can just go online and you can click on donate and you can make a donation. Excellent. You can contact me one-on-one and if you want a little tour of the facility, mm-hmm. because uh, I know we have limited time, but in addition to just to having redone the palliative care, in addition to uh, or just we're in the latter stages of finishing off the ACE project, mm-hmm. we also have a stroke rehab. 
We have a acquired brain injury unit. We have a respiratory area. Uh, we have a long-term personal care home as well. So we have many. So we have many different aspects to Riverview, and that's why. When, when people know something about Riverview, they often know one or two of the eight or nine different medical areas that right. we were involved in. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad we got a chance to talk a bit about it today. My friend Bob will be very happy that I did this, and I wish you all the best at Riverview, and maybe we can get you on again closer to that gala to remind people and, and sell some more tickets uh, so that you can continue the good work you're doing there at Riverview. Thank you, well, Sheldon. That's all, that's all you have to do is you have to say, hey, Sheldon, can I come? And then you would say to everybody in your listening audience, hey, if you want to see me, buy a ticket to, uh, to Riverview's gala dinner October 25th, and you'll be able to see, uh, hear all about Riverview, yeah. uh, support a good cause, and you'll be able to run into Hal Anderson. Excellent. I look forward to it. Sheldon, thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. All right, let's get an update now. On retail in the Polo Park area, the man from Shindico, Sandy Schindelman, joins us now. Hi, Sandy. Hi, Hal. How are you this afternoon? I am excellent. Thank you very much for taking a few minutes to chat with me. You are in jolly London, England. What are you there for? Jolly old England, yes. Uh, we're participating in our, our Corfac Network uh, meetings where we have people from across the world and also spending time looking at high street retail and meeting with retailers and talking about what concepts may be able to bring back to our side of the pond. Interesting. Is retail changing everywhere all around the world, Sandy, or are we just seeing a shift here in Winnipeg, Manitoba, and Canada? No, everywhere. Uh, nobody's immune. Uh, but, uh, again, uh, re- knee-jerk reactions won't won't solve the problem. Uh, you know, retail is still providing a lot of jobs, and it's still a big part of the last mile. And, uh, you know, we have to make it inspirational and we have to make it uh, compelling and people will will shop if they have jobs. Jobs create the income for people to buy anything, anywhere, in any country, including ours. Yeah. I wanted to have you on today because HomeSense is opening in Polo Park in the old Target building. Is that building full now? Uh, it isn't full. We still have um, a space available between uh, the 24-7 space and the... Uh, and home sense and uh, and the winner's space, uh, but we have it uh, set up that hopefully we'll have another tenant in there before too long. And now we're working on uh, trying to attract uh, best-in-class ideas and planning for uh, some mixed use, some office, and some retail uh, to be their neighbors. I heard rumor that there might be a restaurant close to going in in a vacant area in Polo Park. Is that true? Well, we're working on some restaurant pads. Uh, I've been away for a week. I don't know if anything's happened that I'm not aware of. Uh, But I'll certainly make sure you're the first one to know uh, when that happens. Uh, because we like talking to you, Hal. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I really do appreciate your your access and uh, your expertise. So now as Polo Park starts, it was slow in coming, but now it's starting to fill up and grow. Those tax dollars then will go toward that debt now, right? Uh, yeah, it's not our debt. No. Uh, you know, we still pay uh, our taxes to the city. Yeah. Uh, and, and they're very high, I might add. And uh, they, uh, instead of doing what they do with the rest of our taxes, which who knows what that is, at least these taxes we know are going 
to help offset some of the costs of the Bonner Stadium being yeah. the script field. Right. Hey, well, I've got you. Uh, Glenn Murray, former Winnipeg Mayor Glenn Murray, was in town last week, and he made an interesting comment, and it's an argument for opening up Portage and Maine that I never really thought of. He says if we can develop Portage and Maine, open it up to pedestrians, kind of commercialize that area, it will generate tax dollars that might alleviate the taxes of citizens in the burbs. Do you see that as a, a solid argument no. toward opening up Portage no. and Maine? No, uh, that's the case if somebody got a microphone. Uh, nobody knows what the cost will be. Right now, the city owns the retail underneath there, Port Germain, and they actually get rent from it, and there's actually employment down there. Uh, in terms of all the new taxes that are going to be generated, uh, we don't know what all the costs are going to be. And uh, so far, uh, the suburbs have been subsidizing downtown for as long as I've been paying taxes with the monies that have been spent there. Yeah. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just a fact. I'm not saying it's bad. But it's. Uh, I don't believe that it's going to be a boon for taxes that will see an impact in a positive way to the homeowner and the ratepayer that live across the city. And so you'll vote no then. You don't have to tell me, but I'm asking. Will you vote no then on opening Portage in Maine? Yes, I will. I mean, there may be a time, but let it be a local improvement. If so many people want it, you know, if you and your neighbors all want a new road or want something done, you can apply for a local improvement, and then you can pay for it. So if all the building owners want it, and I understand some of them do, and uh, they might know some commercial benefits to doing it, they can just simply apply for a local improvement, and, uh, you know, the 13 or 15 or whatever million dollars of the cost will be paid uh, on top of their taxes. And then they can reap all the benefits and rewards as well. Back to Polo Park. So things are moving along nicely there. Do you expect to have more announcements uh, soon? Yeah, we do. I mean, you know, it was, it's a challenge. It was a challenge to get uh, the approvals. Uh, we have the approvals now on the existing building. We have to go back to the city for each and everything we want to add. And so that obviously adds to the time uh, that it takes for us to deliver to people. Mm -hmm. But we're working hard. I mean, I'm going to have... Our great team is going to be at the ICSC in Toronto and in Whistler and everywhere else, the Shopping Centre Conference. We're certainly going to be promoting it. Our partners at Cadillac Fairview uh, are going to be uh, promoting it, as, as we all do every day anyway. And, uh, you know, it just uh, further bolsters uh, the importance of the Polo Park shopping note. Sandy, travel safely. Thank you, Hal. Thank you. Tim Freimeyer is standing by on the phone. And I think you're going to well, actually wait before I go to Tim. I see Josh has been waiting on the phone about Portage and Maine. Let me squeeze Josh in. Hi, Josh. Go ahead. Hey, Hal. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Um, now, this whole 30 second delay extra for cars going through Portage and Maine at rush hour, I don't really buy it because. The way I see it, it's 30 seconds if you're at the first light cycle. If you're making it through on that light cycle, yes, your delay is only 30 seconds. But everybody knows Portage and Main, when you're heading down Portage Avenue towards Main Street, it gets backed up all the way past Osborne, all the way up to Broadway sometimes. And if you add 30 seconds to every light cycle from the time you stop there, it's going to be backed up. 
I can't see it just being 30 seconds for your, your commute. I, I, I don't buy that rhetoric for a single second at all. All right, and I think a lot of people probably agree with you. A lot of people think that it will be uh, the delays at Portage and Maine will be much longer than what is being suggested. Yeah, so I, I think you're uh, you're with a lot of people out there. I think they really need to look at that overhead crosswalk thing. I mentioned that about a month ago in this conversation, and people were saying, "Well, it's going to cost more than uh, tearing this down and opening it up." Well, it might cost more, but I was thinking the same thing. What would be a better photo opportunity than standing above Portage and Maine and taking photos up there, having a little area where, you know, you can go snap a photo with the sign or something like that? I think that is the way to go personally. Yeah, and again, you are not alone, Josh. Others are suggesting the same thing. Thanks for the call. I really appreciate it. Have a good day. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.